is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 528, recorded on Thursday, April the 22nd, 2021. Welcome to the show, everyone. Welcome, Jason. How is your week going so far? Uh, it is uh, tolerable, I reckon. Tolerable. Well, that's not yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's not fantastic, but it's not horrible. All right. We got a family of baby bunnies living in our front yard. How bad could it be? Oh, well, it's the baby bunnies and the mommy bunny and the the daddy bunny. I imagine they're adorable. They are extremely adorable. But you were saying to me earlier, they're, they're living in the front yard in the garden and you're worried about going out and scaring them away. So you're stuck in your house now for an additional reason. Well, I don't want to cause them undue stress, right? They're just baby bunnies. Sure. You know, and apparently baby bunnies are, uh, when they're left by their mom, they do not move no matter what you do. I stumbled across one this morning while I was taking out the garbage and the recycling, and I tried to get it out of the way because I needed to get in my gar- garage to get at the garbage, and I had a rake. Oddly enough, like a little tiny rake, like uh, not a metal rake, but a plastic rake. And I was trying to guide the bunny. He was like, okay, bunny, you got to go now. But that bunny would not move. I mean, you were poking it with a rake? Well, I was kind of guiding. I was getting close to it and trying to, uh-huh. trying to, you know, make it aware that it needed to get away from the object. But uh, it's nothing. Like it was just dead eyed. It was looking at me. Uh, I could see its little nose twitching a little bit, uh, would not move. I guess when baby bunnies are uh, left in a spot by their mom, they stay right there for good or for ill. They do not move. I mean, I guess if they moved, their mom wouldn't be able to come back and find them again. And that would be sad yeah. too. It, I mean, it sounds like you live in the country somewhere with rabbits and horses and deer roaming the land, but it's not true. You live in a pretty urban area. There just happens to be bunnies in the... In the yards yeah. and the parks around you, I guess. All over the place. There's, yeah. And we saw a bunny like five years ago and we're like, well, when you see one bunny, you know, there's 50,000 of them milling about someplace. Sure. And that's true now. And now they're in your front yard. Okay. Well, that's nice. That's a nice story that the bunnies are living in your yard. Uh, I've had a hell of a week. It's been too busy. We had to cancel the podcast on Tuesday night because it yeah. was, there was just too much going on. So sorry about that, everyone. But here we are. It's Thursday, uh, and we are going to talk about the last episode of Fear the Walking Dead. Cool. It is season six, episode nine. It's called Things Left to Do. Now, if you will recall, in episode eight, which was kind of the mid-season premiere, kind of the mid-season finale, but, Uh you know, whatever, uh, John Dory, everyone's favorite character, John Dory, died. And uh, that was quite a big deal. Well, here we have episode nine, and I feel like there's lots of stuff in this episode, too, that was surprising and, uh, you know, not the kind of thing you would expect in episode nine, which is normally the one following the mid-season premiere, but here yeah. we are. I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, really. This 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 phrase really doesn't do what I'm thinking justice, but Fear the Walking Dead has really taken out their balls. And I'm not really sure that that, <laughs> like I said, does not quite, it's like, it's not that they found their balls. It's not that they, they had, this episode seemed to have balls. And I assume that they had balls, you know, in general, but they, they took them out for this episode. <laughs> but that doesn't sound right. But you know what I mean? I mean, what you're trying to say is that this episode took some risks. It, um, it, it really went all out. Balls out. Balls out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Um, I feel, I feel like a lot of things come to a head in this episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I liked it a lot. A lot happens, but yet the whole thing can be summed up in, in one sentence really. And I feel like that's something like everything unravels for Virginia or, yeah. you know, Virginia's uh, rain comes to a close, right? Yeah. It's a house of cards. Basically she's built this, uh, you know, this community that just evaporates essentially. Like all at once. And, you know, maybe it's been 
slowly evaporating on the show for a while now, but it's been, it's been drips and drabs, little bits here and there. Now, all of a sudden it's all gone and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but not only is Ginny dead, uh, she was killed by June and there's like nothing left of, of the communities that she was building or it seems like there's nothing left anyways, right? You know, her rangers yeah. are scattered all over the place. Some of them are with Strand. Some of them, I presume, are on their own. Uh, some of them have, I think, joined Morgan's community, and maybe there's others out there just wandering around. Um, but I do wonder about what's left of, like, the rest of the people that were living at Lawton. Uh, nah, they're all fucked. They're just, like, they're just people hanging around in, a, in the world now. I got nothing. I guess so. I mean, I, I, I can't say I ever really had a great feeling for how big her communities were, right? I don't think the show ever did a really good job of portraying that. It was all about her and the Rangers, which was a small team of, you know, the Virginia police. And, and that was it. And I mean, we got little bits of the other characters, but I don't feel like we had a good idea of how many there were. There must've been some though, but either way, whatever they were doing, like it's all falling apart now. And I feel like the show's just kind of sweep that under the rug and move on a little bit. Yeah. A, a couple things come to mind when, uh, now that you're talking about this one is control is an illusion, right? You're driving down the highway at 110 kilometers an hour. If you think you're in control of the situation, you are wrong. You are just, you know, holding things together with spit and glue and <laughs> luck and string and anything goes wrong and control is just right out the window. Yeah. Right? You are not in control of that situation. You are just basically uh, praying and hoping and wishing and, uh, you know, relying on the, uh, you know, all the people around you to not be complete idiots. And we know what happens when you do that. So control is an illusion. So things can fall apart at any moment for anybody. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is a, a saying from... Uh, from uh, a guy I used to play in a band with, uh, Mark Kennington. I'm sorry, Mark, if you're listening. Uh, well, it's not sorry. This was a good phrase, and it reminded me, or it's stuck with me for a long time. Uh, the difference between power and control. Power is the ability to do work. Control is the ability to limit it. And she is trying to control her community. She does not have any power. She just has control. And that control can fall apart you know, like driving on a highway and something going wrong. It can just evaporate. Whereas if she had any real power to be able to do stuff, she'd have uh, loyalty and be able to direct these people in leadership to, uh, to help them achieve a goal. And this is what Morgan is trying to do. He's trying to have power to be able to do work to get this community off the ground, whereas Ginny has, uh, is trying to maintain control, which is always always going to fall apart in the end. But couldn't you argue that she did have some loyalty from at least some of her rangers? I mean, maybe that's not enough. Uh, and it certainly yeah. wasn't absolute, but uh, I think some of those rangers were certainly loyal to her. I mean, we should talk about the beginning of this episode, which is sort of the lineup and the double cross and the shootout, <laughs> if I could, yep. if I could call it that, right? So basically what happens is you have this scene where she, she brings out some of, um, uh, Morgan's people, gets them kneeling on the ground and tries to extract information from them. You know, a little Negan-esque actually, you know, in that way, little. right? You know, Negan lined up people on the ground, decided who he was going to kill, you know, beat them to death with a baseball bat. Ginny brings them out and Negan was doing more of a big grand showcase Whereas Ginny actually is trying to get information or control the situation a little bit. But it did remind me of that. But anyways, once it gets to the shootout after the double cross, which involves Strand, some of those rangers were, were obviously on Strand's side and some were on Ginny's side. So I think you're right. She didn't have a lot of complete loyalty. She certainly didn't have it from everybody, but there was a little bit in there. I guess, yeah, you're right. There was some people that are, that were loyal to her, but that just might be because they didn't know what else to do. 
right. that situation. Right. You know, it's got to be a very confusing situation. And it's, it's, you know, it's these situations where it comes to a head where people are easily turned as well. Mm-hmm. Right. When, uh, when you get into a spy movie and you have uh, two people, two spies that are on opposing sides and they're uh, conflicted and they're uh, shooting at each other. It's very, it's, it's actually relatively easy to turn one of those spies against their country. It's just like, you know, we could continue the shootout or you could just come on our side and uh, we'll give you a lot of money and we'll give you, uh, you know, we'll get you out of here. We'll bring you into you know, wherever, and we'll set you up in a house and we'll get your family out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's a compelling thing. It's just like, shit, I could either shoot this, you know, continue to have a fight with this this person uh, and uh, possibly die, or I could take the money and get my family out of here and go mm-hmm. live in Montana, which is always a mistake. Never say, ever, ever say you're going to go live in Montana if you're uh, some kind of uh, spy, because that it, that means you're going to die. Montana right. is the kiss of death, the state of Montana death. Montana is the kiss of death. Any spy movie uh, where there's some kind of person that's going to defect and move to the U- U.S. and they say, I'm moving to Montana, uh, th- they're going to die. That's funny you bring that up. I was listening to another podcast this week about movies and the guys on that show were saying something similar where it's always if you're, if some character says they're going to go live on a ranch, it means they're going to yeah, die. Yeah. And then the ranch is in Montana specifically. I'm sure it usually is. Yeah. That podcast and me are talking about the same movie. Uh, I can guarantee it. But that also, I'm, I'm not going to reference that movie in, in the case of spoilers or potential spoilers. I am going to spoil Hunt for Red October, where the guy that was in Jurassic Park that was in Hunt for Red October, he was going to defect to the U.S. with uh, Captain Ramius. Uh, and they and he said, I'm going to move to Montana. And uh, I don't even know if he said he was going to... Uh, get a ranch. He just said he was going to find an American wife and uh, move to Montana and he died. Yeah. It's weird. I, I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent sure you don't listen to the show I'm referring to, but they mentioned Hunt for Red October too, I think. It's weird. Yeah. Because I can, I can, there was a movie that uh, I watched in the last couple of days <laughs> that is very recently released that uh, references that very thing. And okay. That thing happens. Interesting. Well, anyways, um, so Jenny didn't want to move to Montana. Uh, how do we get on this topic? I don't even know. Uh, turning people and loyalty of her Rangers. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, some people, some of the Rangers were still loyal to her, but maybe they were thinking if we save Jenny, we can, you know, go to move on, move on to a ranch in Montana. Yeah. 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 Maybe. What did you think of the whole, um, scene here near the beginning where, uh, she's got them on their knees and then Morgan shows up. I'll, I'll, I'll say that I quite enjoyed it. Like, as I said, it kind of reminded me of the Negan scene where he was introduced, but this one had, uh, not, not that the Negan one didn't, but I thought this one had some pretty good tension. I thought it was a great moment when Morgan shows up on the horse and yells, I'm right here, you know? And then you, you can, you could see the sort of fly by the seat of her pants approach that Ginny takes, right? I thought um, uh, Colby Minifee was amazing in this episode throughout it, actually. And it all starts right here where she's just so, you know, intense and emotional and she just is trying to do something and it's kind of not really going her way. And that's how she reacts to it. So like overall, I think it was, was really good. I enjoyed Strand's double cross you know, where he's pointing his gun at Morgan's people on the ground. And then all of a sudden he's not. And then all of a sudden he's with them and he shoots Ginny in the shoulder. Uh, and like, it was all happening very fast and it was exciting. And I, I really had a good time watching it. I really enjoyed this scene in Empire Strikes Back when uh, Luke showed up at uh, Jabba's palace. And uh, <laughs> as a, you know, basically it was uh, him as a prisoner. Uh, and he said, you know, this is your last chance. Jabba, yeah. let, let Han go. And you're like, what? You're out of your mind. You're here by yourself. Uh, you know, Jabba's got all the cards, right? So it's the same thing, right? He shows up and Ginny's got all the cards and he's like, this is your last chance. Uh, you know, you take the deal. Yep. Uh, and uh, the next next thing you know, uh, who's Strand? Is Strand uh, Lando Calrissian or is he the Rancor? I don't know. 
Who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, they show up on the sail barge and, uh, you know, a fight ensues. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was good. I do, I did question a little bit how Strand orchestrated those rangers to be on his side. I, I kind of wish, I know it was a big surprise, but I got to admit, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of that in the show. And I don't know, would it have taken away from this, this moment? Uh, maybe, but I did find myself going, okay, how, Strand has been in, like working as a man on the inside this whole time, recruiting people up to this moment. Like, how did he know this moment was going to come? Uh, you know, I guess he didn't, but this is the moment that when he turns his gun on her, those certain group of rangers follow him, you know? I, I kind of feel like I, I would like to have seen a little bit more of that. But on the other hand, it was a pretty exciting turn of events in the moment. It was. And, you know, I was thinking at the time, I was thinking, oh, Strand is a good guy. Because, we, you know, he was on the fence. Or we, I was on the fence, whether or not yeah. he was a good guy or a bad guy. And I didn't know which one he was. But... Uh, and so I'm thinking at this, when the first time I saw this was, oh, good, he's a good guy still, and he can, and we can be, uh, live happily ever after knowing that Strand is ultimately a good guy. But uh, think of it this way. He didn't turn on Virginia until she said, uh, you know, this is the moment, right? Yeah. Th that that's what he was waiting for, was for her to, uh, to say, this is the moment. And then he knew that was the signal where he would say, I was raising an army. You just didn't know what for. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but the thing is, that was after everybody was threatened at gunpoint by Ginny with their knees on the ground. If she hadn't said, this is the moment and had shot one or two of them in the head, Strand wouldn't have done anything. Right. He right. would have still been on Ginny's side. So ultimately I'm thinking, is he a good guy or did he just take advantage of the specific situation that he was waiting for? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it is a good callback, right? I think she said this is, this is the big show or whatever, right? But yeah, the same is... thing, the moment, the big show. I mean, it, uh, yeah. And, and that, doesn't that call back a little bit to when he first became a ranger, something like she yeah. welcomed him sort of to, the big show or whatever she called well, it. Well, that was the, the whole point of the molasses factory, right? Uh, yeah. They got into that molasses factory, which I'm knocking over shit here, just swinging my arms around trying to just <laughs> gesticulate and make points. Uh, anyway, that molasses thing, there was actually, I, I, I saw a YouTube video on uh, an actual molasses flood that happened uh, like a hundred years ago and killed like 30 people. It was actually pretty horrifying. Anyway, uh, so this molasses factory, she used that as a, um, a recruiting tool for someone uh, to raise an army. It's like, mm -hmm. I need you to, I, I need someone to build an army because there's going to be a moment, whether she called it the show or whatever, uh, there's going to be a moment where I'm going to need an army. And I need you to, lead, I needed somebody to lead it. And Strand, you're that guy. So he went off and built an army, whether he recruited, I don't know, but he took an took a bunch of people and made them into a cohesive army per se. Yeah, absolutely. He just, so it was a, definitely a callback to that. Uh, it's just that, uh, when he was building the army, he was building an army for him and not for her, which is pretty typical of dictatorships really. Well, you've got to be careful when you hire someone to build an army, make sure they're building it for the right person. Yeah. I mean, we can get, go to Star Wars and talk about that clone army, right? I mean, they were building that army for the Jedi, but really it ended up being the emperor that took over that fucking thing. Yeah. God, we've, uh, we've, been, we've started our, our Star Wars marathon at home. We've watched the first two prequels. Nice. Holy geez. They're hard movies to get through. I'll tell you. Having said that, the kids don't think they're that bad because you know, they're kids. <laughs> Yeah, they're idiots still. <laughs> they're, they're still idiots. That's right. Man, oh man, though, watching some of those films is tough, but that's well, a- Well, you just got to, you just got to convince them that Jar Jar is the, the Sith Lord that's in control of everything. I don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I just want to get through them and get into uh, the rest of the films. All right. Anyways, so we go from, uh, you know, we go from this, there's definitely a transition 
uh, as Morgan and Ginny travel back to the dam and some other things go on. But basically, the 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 rest of this episode, the most important stuff, I think, is this standoff at the dam. So everybody shows up there. Yeah. Uh, the dam is certainly not a secret anymore. That community is not a secret anymore. Morgan has taken Ginny back there. The, you know, Strand shows up outside basically by himself. He wants Virginia, presumably to kill her. Yep. We've got Sherry and her people who also show up. They want to kill Virginia, as we know. And Morgan's got Virginia inside the dam with him, wondering what to do. And of course, Dakota's in there too. And we'll talk about the big Dakota reveal in a minute. But I realized everybody is has shown up at this dam and everybody wants Virginia's life. Nobody is there trying to save her. So all of a sudden, they kind of all have this common enemy. They're all still at odds with each other, yet they're all there for Virginia, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like there's nobody on her side anymore at this point. Yeah. I really like this scene in The Hobbit, if I can... Uh... <laughs> The Battle of Five Armies, where uh-huh. all of a sudden, you know, this is a secret location. It's a very secret location. All of a sudden, everybody knows where it is, right? Everybody shows up there. Yeah. Everybody. And they like, even at the end, uh, we, we have the, the, the rabbi show up. Like, well, where the hell did he come from? How did he know where he was going? Well, I think he was being held by Virginia or in one of the communities, right? And so part of the deal was she releases all of Morgan's people. That's why he showed up and they brought... Sarah back and everybody came back. Uh-huh. What is there, a homing beacon? It's like, as soon as you're free, you're like, oh, I feel compelled to head towards this dam. Well, I don't know. Go to this, this, look at the map, look where this big lake is and go there. That's where we are. But yeah. it's not. Anyway, I just thought it was really odd that everybody all of a sudden knew exactly where this, uh, uh, where this dam was, this ultra secret location. And first of all, Morgan brings Virginia there and says, uh, this is my ultra secret location. Shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah. Uh, well, he brings her there. Secret anymore. He brings her there for two reasons. Number one, she's kind of a prisoner, and number two is the Dakota thing. So on the way there, she reveals that Dakota's not her sister. Dakota is her daughter. Yeah. And she's been trying to protect her all this time. So that gives Morgan enough sympathy for Virginia to be like, "Okay, I'll bring you back. You clearly have to reveal this to her. What happens next? I don't know, but." you can come and you can come and do that. I can't leave that kind of thing just hanging out there. I've got to give you the opportunity to reveal that to Dakota. As for how everyone else got there, I mean, I don't know. They must, they talk on walkies a lot. They must have just revealed the location, said Strand, come on over. Uh, Sherry's people, maybe they followed them there because as we know, they encountered them as they were traveling. Um but you're right. It doesn't feel like a very secure or secret location anymore. Right. Not well, even a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It just, it seemed to, you know, the secret seemed to blow wide open, uh, you know, suddenly and magically. Sure. But, but my original point was that, you know, everything unravels for Virginia in this episode. So when we get to this dam, no one's there to rescue her. They're all there to kill her which I did yeah. think was was really interesting. And suddenly it puts Morgan in this really interesting position of being the one who's actually trying to defend her in a way. You know, he's the one who's keeping her safe or at least, at least giving her this opportunity to talk to her daughter before he either chops her head off or hands her over to somebody else, right? Yeah, I, I'm really getting tired of uh, wondering whether or not Morgan's going to kill somebody. Uh, you know, he kills people, he doesn't kill people, he kills people, he doesn't kill people, he kills zombies, he doesn't kill zombies. I guess he always killed zombies, but, uh, you know, I, I absolutely knew full well that he wasn't going to kill Virginia. I, I knew it. Like, there was no way that that ever was going to happen. You know, her head, that scene was fucking amazing, by the way. Uh, you know, Co- what's her name? Kobe Minifield? Uh, Colby Minifee. Colby Minifee, yep. Minifee, uh, I, sh- I thought she did an amazing job of uh, <laughs> having her head on the fucking chopping block. Oh, yeah. And Morgan humming and hawing and then swinging a giant axe and then stopping it mid-swing, which is fucking magical as well. It's pretty tough. Like, the amount of strength that he has to have in order to stop uh, an axe that he is swinging downwardly 
uh, and then just kind of stop it. You know, I expected it to hit above her head or something, but stopping it was a bit much. Anyway, uh, Kobe did it in the Colby, 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 Colby. There's an L. Colby mini fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought she did a really, really good job. I, I'm not a big fan of Virginia. I like, I don't even, it's not even one of those things where I love to hate her kind of thing. It's just like, man, she's fucking annoying. Uh, and it's been that way for a long time, but I thought she did a really good job in that scene. I agree a hundred percent. She was amazing in that scene, the way she's just like screaming there with her head on the chopping block. Morgan's trying to bring himself to do it. Uh, she was great. I think she was great this, this whole episode. Um, yeah, but so like, what was her motivation though, to, to sacrifice herself like that, providing Morgan did it? Cause that was part of the deal. I was thinking, you know, number one, she thinks this will secure safety for her sister, uh, sorry, for her daughter, I guess, because, because she says, you know, I'm, I'll die but you've got to give Dakota a place to live. Like, yep. you know, she can't just be kicked out on her own. Um, and then the other thing is, well, is there another thing? I, I don't know. Like just sacrificing herself to like put an end to all of this, this, uh, you know, disagreement between all these groups. It's kind of a weak word for it, but, uh, you know, put it all to bed, put it all to rest, put it all behind everybody. You know, I think that's what she's going for. Uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, I didn't think of anything other than, uh, she was doing it to secure safety for her daughter. Yeah, I guess they were going to, I mean, later on in the episode, they said they were going to let her leave, but ultimately, of course, Morgan can't do it. He says there's been enough blood spilled. Um, there's been enough killing and we're going to have to just move on from here and that's it. But he... You know, he also isn't just going to let her or hand her over to one of these other groups because they're just going to kill her or at least Sherry's people. Yeah. Right. So, um, what do you think? Dakota is her daughter, not her sister. Did you see that coming? I did not see that coming. No. And to be honest, I didn't care that much. Oh, really? I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't see it coming either, but when you think about it, it's like, oh, of course, <laughs> you know, I just feel like it's, it's kind of cliche yet for some reason the show didn't telegraph it, or at least not to me because I had no idea. And I was genuinely surprised when she revealed that it did add a lot of emotional stakes to the episode, right? Like sister, the sister relationship is one thing, but mother daughter is an entirely other level in, in some ways. Yeah, it's a whole different hatred. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you hate the lady, you know, if uh, you hate the lady because, and she's your sister, and then all of a sudden you find out she's your mother, you're still going to hate her, but you're going to hate her in a different way. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm not saying that all daughters and mothers, you know, have hatred. No. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, Dakota and and, uh, uh, Colby Minifee. How about you call her character's (laughs) name, Virginia? Virginia is probably for the best. Uh, You know, they have, she has, uh, there's hatred there and it's, it's, it, there's also got to be resentment. It's like, what, Mm -hmm. why, why didn't you tell me? I mean, I I don't give a shit that you were 16 or 17 when you had a, had a daughter, you know, at some point, let me know, you know? Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a difficult relationship they have no matter what. It's not like that society that, uh, you know, that wouldn't accept that kind of thing exists anymore. Right. Oh, true. true. So why not, you know, get the, get all the shit on the table? Well, I think if you're going to put your shit anywhere, it should be on the table. And well, where else would you put it? Lay it all out in front of you <laughs> and deal with it. Right. Don't talk hide it away. It. You know, yeah, don't hide it. You know, put it all on the table and, uh, talk about it. Of course. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Well, you know, the scene though, where Ginny does reveal that to Dakota in that church again, I thought was amazing. I thought both actors in the scene were really good. Oh yeah. Um, and ultimately what it comes to is a little bit later, we have them who, uh, they're, they're supposed to leave. They're going to be going away. 
Uh, we have Morgan, June, and Alicia there to let um, Virginia know this. And then we end up with June and Virginia in a room together by themselves. Uh-huh. June is patching up her wound where she got shot. She's about to leave, but doesn't because Virginia says something about, well, there's a conversation about, would you have continued to support and protect Dakota if you'd known she was a crazy killer and who killed John Dory? Yep. And Virginia seems to indicate that she would have. So June turns around, shoots her in the head. That was uh, surprising. It it was. I mean, the show has surprised me two or three times in two episodes now, which yeah. is which is great. And like they're really pulling out all the stops or taking out their balls, as you said. <laughs> and I mean, what are you going to do with your balls? You put them on the table and you talk about them, yeah. right? <laughs> with all your shit. That's right. <laughs> um. So let me ask you this question: Do you think? June was ever going to leave. Do you think June was ever going to leave that room without killing Virginia? Or was that the plan all along? And to take it one step further, did Morgan and Alicia know what was going on when they left her alone in there with her? Uh, no and no. Okay. So I don't think, uh, I don't think June was ever going to leave without killing uh, Virginia. I thought that uh, it was all, mm, I'm of two minds. I don't know the answer to that first question. Okay. Second answer is nobody else knew that that, that, that was going to happen or suspected that that was going to happen. That was uh, uh, an unknown to them. Because, and what, te- what tells me that is what happens next with everybody just standing around, slack-jawed, going, Jesus fucking, what? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that was sort of funny, actually. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that that scene. Um, I think you're right. I don't think Morgan and Alicia knew. I don't think there was a plan in place to, to make this happen. Because when June comes walking out, they're they're out there going, Oh my god, what did you do? What did you do? Unless they're just putting on a putting on a face, right? But yeah. um I I I'm not sure what June was thinking though. It the way the episode presented it is she was going to leave until Virginia said that thing about protecting her daughter, even though she's terrible. And then she turned around and decided to kill her. But I could also just as strongly believe that June was going to do it anyways, right? She had just lost John at the hands of Dakota. We know Dakota killed that Cameron guy. So I I don't know. Either way, though, it was a pretty exciting scene. And again, very, very, very surprising. Yeah. And then it was it was great. I really liked that that happened. I was uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. Much like uh, Morgan and uh, Virginia and her, you know, Morgan cutting off Virginia's head. I knew that that was not going to happen. I knew that that was not going to uh, be a thing that happened in the show. Right. And I suspected. I'm, well, I'm going to say it. I knew that uh, June would not shoot her, would not shoot or kill Virginia. I just thought it was going to be a, you know, tell me that you would do anything to protect your daughter. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what was supposed to happen at that point. It was going to be a, a, a that's right moment. Like, you you know, you're damn right you would, because who, who wouldn't do anything to protect their kids, right? Yeah. So I thought June was going to let her off the hook somehow. And I thought that that was going to happen, but then she pulled the trigger and I'm like, she she just scare her, but then we had the next shot with the friggin' gaping hole, uh, and so that was like, uh, yes, yes, okay, yeah, the balls are on the table. Let's I, talk about. That. I think though that um, you know, June mentioned her daughter Rose, and I think the the thing that turned her was June realized she never got the chance to protect her daughter through thick and thin through anything because her her daughter's dead. And here's Ginny doing it. And that just sort of, you know, gave June, it just turned her. And uh, it, it, it said, if I didn't get that chance, why should you? And yeah. she took her out. And then June's walkout to the front, to the end of the episode was fantastic. I, I, oh, yeah. I enjoyed how everybody was sort of standing and watching. 
Um, the music cue when she puts on John's hat was amazing. And the way yep. the music starts as soon as she puts it on. And then she walks out. She passes Morgan's uh, axe that has been staked in the ground. And then it kind of just gets quiet as she walks away from the camera. So great ending. Great, great, great yeah. ending. Um, there, my thought was there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. Yeah, there really is. And she's it. <laughs> Except she left. Well, she left. But this brings me to sort of the final thing here about this episode. I'm wondering, where do we go from here? Because uh, I feel like a lot gets wrapped up in this episode. The Ginny storyline is basically wrapped up. Everybody knows, knows where the where the dam is. Uh, if we look at Strand, he didn't come in. So where's Strand going? What's he doing? He Well, he said... Right? Well, what did he say? He said that he tells Alicia that Virginia was building an army for whatever's out there, whatever's coming. Yeah. And I was a little unclear on what he was referring to there. Like, what is this threat that he's talking about? Well, Ginny was trying to, uh, you know, she had the molasses factory thing in uh -huh. order to find a leader in order to build an army because army, because something's coming. Right. There's, you know, something wicked this way comes mm -hmm. and I'm going to need an army. And so you need to build me that army. Uh, and so he did, and he knew that he was building it for whatever that something was. And so he's, and Strand was saying that something is still out there. We can't disband the army. We can't move into this, uh, you know, super secret layer that you've discovered here that everybody knows about. We need to, uh, continue to, uh, be vigilant because there's something out there that Ginny was worried about. So we got to find out what that is. Yeah. But that, that was my, that was my problem with it is that I wanted him to talk a little bit more about it. What, like I wanted the tease. I wanted the reveal of what is it out there that she was so afraid of. So I don't think it was in this episode, but that Jason, that doesn't mean it wasn't in the show because I went over to the walking dead wiki to, to read about this episode a little bit, yeah. which I, I often do. And according to them, He's referring to the group of people that were spray painting the end is the beginning on. Oh yeah. The submarine. The submarine and various other things we saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wiki for The Walking Dead is calling them the Doomsday Group. So apparently there is this group out there known as the Doomsday Group who are what's coming. And that's what they were building this army to fight against. So if that's true... And I have no reason to believe it's not, but that's what Strand is talking about. That's what he's worried about. And instead of moving into the dam and living there with everybody, he's staying out there, as you said, to stay vigilant and try to try to ward off this new threat, this big threat. Well, you also have to remember that the rangers are called rangers for a reason. Right. They're not rangers because they're army rangers. I mean, army rangers got their name because these uh, they were out there patrolling. They were doing, uh, they were looking around for whatever's uh, going on out there. They're ranging. Yep. So that's what Strand is doing. He's built an army of rangers and he wants them to do that job, to go out and to uh, investigate and to uh, discover what the, what's going out there, what's going on out there. Uh, and, you know, maybe stumble across a, a submarine in the desert or two. So do you think though, he's really... Because I didn't get the feeling he was on Morgan's side. I really felt like he was still at odds with Morgan. Do you think he is at odds with Morgan? Or in a way, he's kind of going to be out there ranging, looking for this threat in in a strange way to help protect this community. Like he'll be the advanced warning system or, or whatever. No, he's not on Strand. Um, sorry, Strand's not on Morgan's side. Strand's goal was to do what all military leaders do when they want to have a coup. You, you know, uh, justify yourself to your troops and then you overthrow the government and then you kill the leader of that government in order to cement your control over the army as a legitimate leader. Yeah. So that, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted, you know, quote unquote justice. Uh, but ultimately he wanted to kill Virginia himself in order to cement his role as the legitimate leader of this new and improved, uh, Rangers or this new army that he's built. Right. Once she was dead or, you know, dealt with, uh, he had to deal with uh, the fact that, you know, 
sure he didn't kill her, but she's dealt with and, and I have to deal the hand that I'm, or I have to, you know, play the hand I'm dealt. So now he's got to go out and, uh, lead this group. Right. And, you know, in, in a lot of typical leader fashion, it's, it's a matter of uh, a leader standing on the side of the road going, there go my people. I should find out where they're going so I can lead them. Right. Do you think if he had been given the opportunity to kill Ginny, if he'd done it himself, it would have changed his decision? Would he have stayed? No, so absolutely he, not. He's, he's out there leading this group, no matter what, still fighting against this perceived threat from the doomsday group. Yes, because that's how you keep a, uh, that's how you keep an army together, right? right? An army without a, without an enemy just kind of, you know, fuddles around a little bit and then ends up going, you know, what the hell are we doing? I should really go and, you know, start a family and move to Montana, you know, start (laughs) kind of thing. So you have to have, uh, you know, something to oppose, right? Or it all falls apart. So he needs this as you know, if he doesn't have Virginia to oppose, he has to have this external thing to oppose uh, in order to main contr- maintain control over these uh, these rangers. Yeah, and he does tell Alicia that he'll give her a reason to join him. He he'll he'll show her what's going on. So I I have a feeling the remaining at least some of the remaining episodes this season are going to be about that a little bit about what's going on out there and. Yeah who and why Strand is out there, you know, still fighting and not living with them in this damn community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The damned, is that what they're going to be called? I guess so. The damned might as well. If I lived near a dam or on the far side of a dam in an old, uh, you know, drained lake, I would call myself, or I call the community the damned. I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah. It's very clearly the best name. Uh, it's done. I don't care what they call themselves. That's what I'm calling them from now on. All right. So June, she walked out. Do you think she's going out there to be with Strand? Is she going out on her own? Is she going back to John's cabin or is she just taking a little stroll? What do you think June is going to be doing moving forward? I think, you know, I haven't looked at uh, any materials uh, as far as uh, cast list or whatever, but uh, the impression I got was that uh, Jenna Elfman has left the show. No, she's not off the show. She just made a grand exit and she'll be back next week. You think so? I do. I think that she, you know, needs to spend some time alone. I think she's gone. That's the impression I got was that she was walking off into the sunset, uh, you know, off to Montana. Time alone, maybe, but I... I don't, I never got the impression she was off the show. If anything, I thought maybe she'll go back to the cabin where she lived with John, maybe hang out there for a little while, shoot some zombies as they wash up on the shore of the river and probably get involved or get some information about this threatening doomsday group and bring it back to the community and say, guys, we got to deal with this, uh, you know, something like that. But yeah, I don't know what she's going to, ultimately, I don't know what's going to happen. I just, I didn't assume, but I was, uh, I was thinking she, you know, she's, her story arc is done. You know, she's gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about that. I mean, if she did just walk off the show into the sunset, it would not be the worst thing ever actually for, in terms of a character arc. She's, yeah, she's finished. She's got to have, it's got to be, it's got to start fresh, right? She's got to have a new motivation, a new story. Uh, you know, we got to start, we got to start over with June or she's gone. Right. Well, I'll be surprised if she's gone, but you're right. I do think we need something new to propel her back into uh, prominence on the show. We'll see. Maybe yeah. she'll just be off a few episodes and she'll come back and be like, okay, I'm good now. What's next? Maybe she'll just wander the earth and end up on the big show. That you would know? be something. She'll start hanging out with, uh, Aaron. I think her and Aaron would make a, uh, a good team. Yeah. Why not? I don't know why I'm saying that. (laughs) Why not? That'd be hilarious. Yeah, why not? Uh, And then finally, Sherry. Sherry and her group, uh, they have the the big truck. What's it called again? MRAP. Yep. They've they've got that thing, which probably uh, is kind of annoying to Al (laughs) because it was hers. I I can't imagine why it wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Um, She's not with Dwight. She rejects Dwight, which... I was kind of bummed about, I, I want to see Dwight and Sherry back together, but what are her people doing? Like they just drive off, Ginny's dead. I mean, are they off the show now or are they going to be back doing something? Are they going to be a threat of some kind, right? I guess they have no real beef 
with Morgan because Virginia's yeah. dead, but what else are they going to do? They got houses and swimming pools to build. They got, they got shit to do. Really? Houses and swimming pools? Yeah. That's where they were with the dog and, uh, Oh yeah. They had, there was, there was a, you know, this, this, this building inside a, a drained swimming pool. So yeah. I assume that that's what their thing was, right? You know, when you want to keep a low profile, you build a house in a swimming pool and nobody sees that because on a map, it looks like a swimming pool and you don't think there's going to be a community in the swimming pool. Uh, no, that's very true. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's just an empty swimming pool. No one's going to live there. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I'm, it's just, I'm, I'm curious about what's going on. It, this felt like a reset episode for the show. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. It's like reset it all back, kill off some characters, maybe this one and the last one. Um, we don't know what to do with Sherry's group, so let's just have them drive away and we won't have to worry about it anymore. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe in the end, there's, they're all going to team back up again and have this big battle with the doomsday people. I have no idea, but. Yeah. I mean, I have a problem with this, this, uh, you know, the damned and this damn community. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, a dam is only like this giant wall on one side of a area. Uh huh. Right. All this house houses and stuff are basically in a giant valley on the other side of this dam. Which to me seems like a very vulnerable spot. It's like everybody showed up at the, at the bottom of the dam. It's just like I okay, I built this giant wall, right? There's this giant wall that I built around uh, around my uh, country. I'm thinking of the Great Wall of China, right? So there's this giant wall that they built over you know hundreds of years, and the uh, and you think that the uh, the Mongols are going to kind of show up to the wall and go, ah oh, shit, there's a goddamn wall here. We better go home and not you know, worry about these people. No, they went around the goddamn wall. <laughs> just like, oh, here's the edge of it. You know, yeah. we'll just go around it. And that's exactly what they did. So all it, all the wall really does is redirect people to somewhere else where the wall isn't. The Maginot line, the same goddamn thing happened. Right? Yeah. I don't know if you know your World War One and World War Two history, but uh, the Maginot line, they had, they built this big fortification uh, in France uh, and the Germans just went around it. They're like, yeah, okay, fine. You built a wall, <laughs> go around it. I mean, it has to end somewhere. Yeah. You know, you, you can build a wall around the whole earth. Uh, but that's what, uh, that's what Iron Man tried with, uh, Ultron, you know, and see how that worked out. Build a shield around the earth. That's right. Dumbass. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so there's this giant wall in this dam, this giant dam. Uh, you just go around it. You know, you climb up the side, you go around to the side, you got the perfect vantage point to, uh, to point shit down, uh, down into the valley. Well, Watch them. Nobody tell, you want. nobody tell Morgan. He seems to think they're pretty safe in there. Yeah. Some kind of magical city that's behind this huge wall that is impenetrable and everybody has to show up at the wall because there's no other choice. There's only one way in. It's through this door in this dam that we just cut in the bottom of it somehow. <laughs> Well, no, it was there. That's how the, all the water drained out. Right? Oh, it was a water, it was a water door? Well, no, it wasn't a water door. It, the dam broke. Did it? Perfectly. Yeah, that's, you know, that's why there's no lake there anymore. The dam broke. I don't know. I haven't figured out why there isn't a river, because usually you build a dam on a river, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And it, then the river backs up and creates yourself your, your, your lake where, you know, you generate power. But if the dam breaks, it's still a river, Right. I would think so. Yeah. There's, there's so. no river. There's, there's no river. I don't know if you noticed that, but. No, there's definitely no river. But I assume that hole in the dam is how all the water got out. Okay. I don't know. It just seems like an awfully small hole. You'd think once there's a hole, the whole dam would crumble, but. I don't it, know. it absolutely would. And probably from the top or from the sides, not from like right on the bottom like that. Sure. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's why I figured somehow they made a door there, but they've, in either case, they've added a door. It's a nice metal gate. Yeah, I, I I guess I assumed it was just a giant sea monster that wanted to uh, get out and was at the bottom of the lake and of went, course. you know what? I'm just going to drill through this uh, concrete because the, the rest is bedrock and I don't want to bother with that. So I'm just going to go through the concrete in order to get out of here. And I'm taking all my water with me. Well, of course. So he just fucked off and took all the water. That's <laughs> what sea monsters do, those jerks. <laughs> so greedy. All righty. Well, I mean... I thought this episode was, was really good, really surprising and yeah, resets a little bit and I'm just not sure where we go from here. We'll, we'll have to find out. In fact, Uh, I don't know. Some people already know because it's Thursday and the episode releases on Thursdays on AMC plus. So, uh, those people live in the future. They sure do. All right. I've got 
two emails and a call here from listeners uh, really quick. This first email is from Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. Cindy writes, after last season, I had vowed I wasn't going to watch anymore. I was over it. But when this season started, I watched begrudgingly because it's one of the few shows my husband and I watch together. I have to say that this season has been a huge improvement. I hope they can keep up the momentum. I'm so glad Ginny is dead. But between her and Morgan, I was having flashbacks of the introduction of Negan. I'm glad it turned out differently for everyone. Yeah. No one got their head bashed in. Nope. Uh, nope. Thank you. Well, sort of. Right? Like, uh, what's his name? Got a rifle butt to the head. And that was a pretty nasty gash. Oh, it was. That's right. He survived it, but uh, uh, he did. Daniel, he got the rifle butt to the Daniel. head. Daniel. And that makeup job was really good. That looked like it was deep, even though obviously it wasn't. But it looked like that was a pretty severe, uh, you know, scalp wound. I don't, I assume that his head wasn't, or his skull wasn't crushed, but it, that the skin was, you know, removed from his head in part. Oh yeah. Uh, and it would bleed a lot, but, uh, I think the makeup for that was really, really well done. Well done to the makeup people. Yeah. It looked, it looked good and, and super gross. And when Ginny had a hole in her head too, with just blood spraying out of it, that was uh, pretty nasty. That's pretty, pretty nasty. So good job. Uh, this is a call from our friend Trish in Boston. What the actual with this episode Oh my God, it drove me crazy. First of all, we have Lady Negan, who has annoyed me from day one and not in a good, bad lady kind of character way. She's off taking uh, cues from Negan's Let's All Kneel and I'm going to give you a bat to the head episode. And then it's all this drama about, should we listen to Morgan? Should we not listen to Morgan? Like everyone's running around like with a purpose, but no purpose whatsoever. It reminds me of one time when I was watching a, island full of hermit crabs and there was so many of them you couldn't step forward or you would squish them and all they were doing was jumping around from shell to shell and acting like they were oh so busy oh so busy but actually had no purpose in their day outside of just finding food and shelter that's what these characters were doing like they go through all this garbage they get to the final end where they're supposed to be able to like take a breather and then they decide they're going off to fight some other invisible war which i'm not even sure what their war was and I don't know, it was so flippin' annoying. And thank God June finally put a bullet in that chick's head because that was, like, the most satisfying part. But then she wanders off, too, like Lady Dory, into uh, the desert with probably no particular plan. So I hope she's expecting to come back and, you know, get lunch at least. Anyway, I don't know, guys. This was really not that enjoyable. I was suffering through it. I think at this point I not only need a podcast with you guys, but I need some therapy. Or a support group, something. Anyway, I'm keeping on watching just because I like listening to your recaps more than that type of episode. Jeez. Okay, bye. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Trish, for that. So a different take on yep. the episode. And, and really the main thing is I hope June comes back for some lunch. Yeah, well, she's got to eat, right? She didn't take any food with her. No. Or her horse. That's right. So maybe she isn't even going that far. She just wanted to make an exit and she'll be like, Click. oh, geez, I'm, oh, yeah. I should just go back. Some, some people just want to be dramatic. Well, yeah, maybe that was it. I also liked the analogy to hermit crabs just piled on top of each other, running around, you know, you can't even move doing nothing. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, finding food and shelter is important. So, uh, you know, if that's all they got. You know, all the power to them. But you don't want to step on them and squish them. I think I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But I think we can all rejoice in the fact that uh, Virginia is dead. I think we all can too. Yeah, she had outstayed her welcome a little bit, I would say. I really didn't like that character either. Like I wasn't, uh, every time she was on screen, I was kind of cringy. And I, I really, and like I said, it's not even a I love to hate her kind of thing. Uh, I, I just, I really didn't like the character and I am super excited that we don't have to deal with that shit anymore. Well, I think Ginny had her moments, but I, I can see your point there. She was sort of annoying. Um, I hated her so much in this ep this show that, uh, I disliked her character in the boys because of it. Oh, I, I disliked her in the boys kind of anyways too, but that show is so good. I can give it a pass. Yeah. Well, at least she's dead in this show. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't finished season two of The Boys, so who knows? You should do that. But uh, maybe, yeah, maybe you can move forward with her and The Boys without hating her so much now. 
maybe yeah because she was doing a good job with uh with uh with the beheading scene or the non-beheading scene uh i thought she did a fantastic job there so yeah maybe i can cut her some slack now that she's dead yep and speaking of Ginny being dead, Amy and Indy writes, I was glued to Jenna Elfman this whole episode, trying to read her face, see her eyes. I obsessed about what became of June's gun after that dick took John's gun from her. I got kind of sick of all the righteousness, but man, that scene with Morgan faking a beheading twice and Virginia's palpable terror was brilliant. To have June finally do what I said she had to do after John Dory died. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Just nice to see uh, June, I don't know, get a little uh, redemption or revenge or whatever you want to call it. Lady Dory. I like that. Yeah. Lady Dory. Yeah. We'll call her that from now on. Or the, the Sheriff Lady Dory. Let's go with that. <laughs> she is the new sheriff. All righty. Well, uh, there we go. Two episodes back with Fear the Walking Dead, Jason. They've both been pretty solid. They've both uh, surprised the pants off me a couple of times. So mm-hmm. way to go, show. Before we wrap up, I want to take a moment to thank some people who have recently supported the show. Actually, a bunch of people this week. First one is Windy Z, or maybe Windy Zed. Uh, you know, I don't know. We're in Canada, so Windy Zed. I don't know. My son says Z. Really? Uh, I, I, yeah, I've been trying to train him. But he says uh, at the end, it's W-X-Y-M-Z. Like not Y and Z, but Y-M again, Z. Oh. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's there's a training issue there. Got it. Got it. Well, I'm, I'm generally a Z person, but that's because I'm Canadian. He also says sorry instead of sorry. I, I blame TV. Well, I might blame your... Your Sault Ste. Marie is showing a little bit, probably. No, we say sorry. (laughs) We don't say sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, in the U.S. they say sorry. Up north here we say sorry. Okay. What do you, what do they say in Northern Ontario, though? I don't know. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Instead of sorry? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, Windy Z says, I enjoy you guys so much, especially now with... The world is crazy as it is. Thank you for all you do. I know things in Canada are still fairly locked down, and I hope you all can get the shot soon so life can be a little more normal for all of you. Thank you, Wendy, for that. I hope so too, because yes, things are pretty locked down and not going very well here right now in terms of case numbers and stuff like that for this goddamn pandemic that I just want to end. Yeah, and I've been starting to rage against uh, any television show or movie that shows people eating in diners. It, I just want to go to a diner. I'm tired of this not going to diner thing. You can't. You can't go to diners right now. So every time, like eating eggs and bacon and toast. and You can do like, that at home, but you can't go to a diner, Jason. I'm sorry. No, but then the, it's made by a professional and they bring it to you. And then at the end of it, they ask you if you want pie. It never happens at home. No. Nobody true. ever offers me pie. <laughs> well... I mean, you'll have to work on rectifying that, but for now, you have to stay home and yeah. be safe. Everybody should stay home, be safe, and uh, we can get through this. I hope so. Eventually, someday, maybe, and get, then go back to diners. Get And get your vaccination, people, if you can. The rollout here where we live has not been stellar, I'll say that, but it's yeah. slowly starting to happen. Anyways, thank you, Wendy, for that. Uh, also, two new patrons this week, Michelle D and Monica G. Thank you so much for joining the show on Patreon. And finally, Mike in Rally, uh, who made a contribution via PayPal. Mike says, thanks for the awesome podcast. I figure if I'll pay CBS All Access just to follow along with your coverage of The Stand, I could throw you a couple of bucks. Have a coffee or a beer on me, please. The Walking Dead universe wouldn't be the same without you. So thank you so much, Mike, for that. Awesome. Contribution. If you would like to be like these fine folks, you can find our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the talking dead, or you can make a contribution via PayPal by hitting talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. Thanks so much for everyone who supports us in that way. Alrighty, uh, that's it for this podcast. Everyone will be back next, hopefully Tuesday, if life settles down a little bit. But so far, so good, I think, anyways. 
Uh, we'll be recording about episode 10 of Fear the Walking Dead for this season. Look forward to that. And once you've seen it, send in some emails, send in some feedback or calls or thoughts on it. I would love to get a little bit more from you guys on the show whenever I can. So make sure you do that. And how, you may ask, you can do that. Well, very quickly, visit the website, talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top to record a message or just record it in your phone and fire it into us. And you can do that by email at talk, uh, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Send audio recordings or any comments or questions straight into that uh, email address. Finally, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.